ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. I'd like to welcome you to another exciting, fresh edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. Uh, we just I want to get you a couple things out of the way. Of course, we have the usual fun stuff like our disclaimer that we are no more regular human people. We do the research. We have our opinions about it. It's for entertainment purposes only. If you enjoy it, you know what we're transitioning into. That's right. Comments and feedbacks, you know what I'm saying, and including the stars. We want stars. We want stars like the Hollywood Boulevard. Walk of Fame. Walk of Fame. <laughs> almost went down a weird road, but we want that many stars, guys, because you want to know why we want to climb up the ladder of the genre that is, what is our genre? I forgot. Cults and uh, culture. Cults and that's what it's called. Cults Something and like culture. that, or society and culture. You know what, guys? We need to be up that ladder because you want to know why? You need it. You are cultonites. You like it. You love it. You listen to it. You share it, and you comment on it. And that's what we love, and we thank you for that. Now, on to the next thing. If you want to give us comments, give us feedback. Here's the drill, guys. We have our Facebook fan page at Colts Coffee and Conversation. We have our Instagram at Colts Coffee Convo. We got our Twitter at Colts Coffee Con One. That's Colts Coffee Con One. And of course, our wonderful Gmail account of the Gmail account. Yes. What did, what did I say? Yeah, you said the wonderful Gmail account. Ah, uh, yes. The Gmail account of Colts Coffee Convo at gmail.com. Our email address. Yes, guys, it is late, but that's okay. We're here for you, the Coltonites. Anyway, and we also have one other additional thing. Holly, take it away. Yes, you can uh, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it off to our Gmail account, which is ColtsCoffeeConvo at gmail.com. Excellent. So but we've also had uh, some people actually type out an email. We want to say thank Thank you. But we will do that at another time. Yes, we will do that at the uh, the closing episode. Yeah, of this. Or one of these episodes we we'll will do, do it, it next time. Mm-hmm. We'll do it next time in episode two. But uh, yes, so we've talked about that rigmarole and all that unfun stuff is out of the way. Now it's time mm. to talk about what we really love to do, and that is drink coffee. Holly, what are you partaking? Well, this time I have a Pike's Place, mm. and that is the black coffee at Starbucks. Yes. But I did sneak in my own creamer, mm-hmm. which was the... In uh, a flask? Mm-hmm. No, it was actually Naughty in the little plastic <laughs> containers you get from Varsity for your ketchup. Now, if you haven't been to Varsity Burger, not a sponsor. We must make sure we have to say that. Not a sponsor. Food's pretty darn good. Breakfast burritos. Glorious. Yes, and that is uh, near the intersection of Anaheim Boulevard and Lincoln in R- Anaheim, California. Right across the street from St. Boniface Catholic Church. Hey! Yes. Bring a little religion into our religious conversations. Anyway. Okay, and what are you drinking, Carl? I am drinking a usual vanilla cappuccino. Like it, love it, drink it. Thank you, Aunt Heather. Alrighty. Now, we are keepers of our promise. Not members of Promise Keepers. <laughs> okay. We have done the one group that we promised that we would do, and that is called the Branch Davidian. Mm. Yes, and everyone's going, the Branch Davidian, that sounds that sounds familiar. Believe it or not, guys, it goes deeper than you know who. So on that note, I'm going to, we actually, you know what, this is how we're going to do it, folks. This group has so many curveballs within its group 
it kind of gets a little confusing. So we are going to Godfather Part 2 you. And <laughs> what does that exactly that mean? That means we are going to give you the ending, and then we start from the beginning. Ooh, I like that. All righty. So, Holly, take it away. Okay. Now, in February 28th through April 19th in 1993, there was a law enforcement standoff. Mm -hmm. It was the longest in U.S. history. This was in Waco, Texas. Uh Uh-oh. And there were, the end of it all, were 82 members died. Mm. including 23 children and nine survivors. Mm. Now, all that is left on the property today is a church building built where the compound once stood. Now, 26 years before the leader of this group, who is David Koresh, Mm -hmm. arrived, Mount Carmel was established as the Branch Davidians. Mm. It was an end-of-the-world cult, Mm. offshoot of the Shepherd's Rod, who split off from the Seventh-day Adventists in the 1930s. Yes. They believed they were the chosen ones and would be in the kingdom of God after Armageddon. Hmm. Okay. Now you're thinking, going, huh? Exactly, guys. That's just the first curveball. But see, everyone automatically assumes with the group that David Koresh was the beginning and the end. Not true, guys. This goes way back. When I mean way back, we're talking the 1930s. Like, this group has been around for a long time. So, we're going to not just start with the, you know, the familiar ones. We're going to go to the beginning, the the genesis of everything. Yes. And, and, it, and well, the, the Branch Davidians technically started, what, in 55, correct? Yes. Around 55. Now, of course, it, like... Like Holly said, it was an, uh, an offshoot of the Seventh-day Adventist church. Uh, I'm just going to call them the uh, um, SDA. Yes, for short. For short, because that's a long thing to say. Seventh-day Adventist. So SDA, SDA. But I might slip and say the Seventh-day Adventist. So, but you know, it was originally started by Benjamin Rodin. But he was the original leader of the Seventh, or I'm sorry, the Branch Davidians, but the branch Davidians are a branch of something else. So we kind of have to go a little bit deeper. And now it all starts to with the original, original leader called Victor. Um, he is called Victor Houtif. Now, Victor Houtif, uh, now he was the uh, founder of the Shepherd's Rod, which Holly did discuss earlier, which is a offshoot of the Seventh-day Adventist, the SDA. Um, I hope I don't get SDA and SLA. <laughs> <I know it>. <laughs> <laughs> very close, very close. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, he was a, a child, uh, as a child, I'm sorry. He, uh, he was baptized as a member of the Bulgarian Orthodox Church. Wow. Yes. <laughs> okay, right? never heard of that one. Ex- well, you know, they have like the Russian Orthodox Church. I was kind of thinking that. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I'm not going to get too in deep with it, but it could connect. Don't know, but it's Orthodox. We'll just roll with that. Uh, now, in 1907, he immigrated to the U.S. Now, the reason why, according to some, some people that knew him, and this is what his quote was, a mob had taken up arms against his family and forced them onto the boat. Hmm. Interesting. That can open up a whole bag of other things. So, but we won't, we're not going down there. So, now, in 1919, he did join the SDA, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, in 1920s, in the Roaring Twenties, 
Um, he went uh, west. He was, uh, went out west to California to be closer to an SDA community. Well, the majority of their major communities were in, was it Loma Linda, correct? Yes, Loma Linda, California, which is out in Riverside County. Mm. Now, you might have heard of their hospital. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, it, you know what? I just put that together. Yes. Good call. Mm -hmm. uh, worked f now, he worked for Maytag as an appliance salesman. Now, after saving enough money, he ended up buying himself a, uh, 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 a company, a candy company. Well, it's a little more of a candy company. They made treats. So mm. saying it's candy is like that's our version now of candy. But it was a, 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 a place that made treats, but they were dubbed the Healthy Sweets. So since he's Seventh-day Adventist, they have specific dietary... Yeah, they're kind of like a vegetarian. Yes. But they're not strict vegan because they do have certain kinds of, um, I think they eat poultry and eggs and stuff of that nature. Well, what's wrong with some eggs and bacon? Not, not bacon. <laughs> they don't do bacon. Okay. Don't you do bacon. How dare you? <laughs> All right. So now in the 1920s, still in the same time, he became a Sabbath school teacher. Now, Holly, are you familiar with the Sabbath schools? Well, Sabbath school would be instead of a Sunday school. It's a Sabbath school because it's on Saturday. They worship on Saturday. Mm, that is correct. Uh, now, uh, he became a keen student of the Bible, and he began to develop, uh, or I'm sorry, not develop, but d uh, divulge deeply into uh, the writings of Ellen G. White. Now, if you don't know who Ellen G. White is, she was a pioneer of the Seventh-day Adventist and was considered a prophetess. Mm. Mm. Now, he, he, what made him stick out was that he held longer and more complex Bible studies, which was attracting large groups of people of the SDA every week. Now, his main focus was on um, in the Bible of Isaiah 54 through 66. Now, um, he was opposed uh, because of his interpretation by the established SDA, um, and he eventually, he and his followers were disfellowshipped. So that's that opens a door there for my brain, but we'll go into further into it. Now, the group that he had was at least about 50 people. Mm. Now, here's now this is where this man had a sense of humor and I love it. Now, he began to hold Bible studies in a large house. Now, not so much that's funny, but where the location of the house was, it was directly across the street from the SDA, which I, I can kind of dig. Now, he tried to um, interest the ACC, no, not the Atlantic Coast Conference, home of the University of Miami, but the Adventist California Conference in, in his biblical findings, uh, believing that they were a continual of the three-angel message. Now, the three-angel message is a basic doctrine of the Seventh-day Adventist. Now, in 1929, he completed his doctrinal studies and submitted them in a form of a book, which is called The Shepherd's Rod. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. Now, he held uh, uh, similar views to Ellen White, which, you know, to the point where he did not call himself a prophet, but he was more considered himself a, a, a reformer. So, you know, his book caused such a great stir in the SDA. He actually was called to the hearing, calling to, called, I'm sorry, called to a hearing by the 12 leaders of the Seventh-day Adventist. Now, I have a question, which I'm going to raise to Holly. Okay. That we didn't even discuss. Uh -oh. It just came to my brain just now. 
if he's no longer a member of the SDA, or he was, I'm sorry, disfellowshipped. Uh, disfellowshipped. Mm. Why would he even care about what these people think? Well, because he wanted to get them to accept his biblical biblical findings. Mm. And I guess he is a, considered an offshoot of the SDA. Right. But it, you do have a point. Yeah, I would, you know. But I think it was in his best interest. He thought, well, maybe I can convince them. Mm, I guess. My point would be like a hand gesture and a couple of colorful words, but I guess not. All right, now on February of 19th, 1934, the hearing. Dum, dum, dum. And guess where this hearing was located, Holly? I don't know. Where was it? Fullerton, California. Oh, wow. Just a little bit away from here. Just a stone's throw. Go Hornets. Um, now, the hearing itself is a podcast. It is a podcast. We're not going deep down into that dive of rabbit hole. We're not doing that. But to make a long story short, or even super short, he was forced out of the Seventh-day Adventist, which is another interesting thing I'm thinking about. Now, he took it to the streets. Now, when we're talking about that, we're talking about he actually went to the street and started uh, evangelizing. Okay, yeah, because I had asked you about that. Yes, he took it to the streets, and guess what? Several thousand accepted his doctrine. Well, that sounds a little crazy. Well, yes. Now, this is in the 1920s? This is in the 1930s. 30s, 1930s. okay. 1930s. So we're, we're well, you know, that was the height of the Depression. Yes. Oh. So there was something that, you know, the end of the world, they felt that the end of the world was coming, and this is the, um, you know, that was their main focus yes so um during this time he also uh claimed that the uh, uh, seventh-day adventists were in a backsliding state from the original beliefs after the death of ellen g white now he also directly targeted fellow sda members in which god will have judgment upon his people now the group casually referred to them as the rod they ended up going off to, um, to to Texas and built the Mount Carmel Center in a rural community, or uh, as their rural community and headquarters in Waco. Now, there's something else we need to talk about in regards to this. Uh, this is where the curveballs start to come into play, guys. So in um, in 1935, after they moved, uh, they established everything in Waco. They became the Davidians. Now, in 1942, he renamed the group the General Association of Davidian Seventh-day Adventists. That's a mouthful, and no, that's too long. Sorry, I can't even put that on the sign. That's like a very long name tag. Doesn't work. Sorry. Shorten it up, people. Now, the Davidian indicated the beliefs of the restoration of the Davidic Kingdom of Israel. Now, following uh, House of Death... In 1955, the segment of the group loyal to Houtif continued as the Davidian Seventh-day Adventist, led by his wife Florence. Now, Florence convinced, uh, I'm sorry, um, no, convinced of an immediate apocalypse. Okay, in a time frame announced by Florence herself, which was not found in the original writings of her husband Victor, so she kind of went out of the uh, the norm. Florence and her council gathered hundreds of faithful followers together at their Mount Carmel Center near Waco uh, for the fulfillment. Now, the anticipated events did not occur. Now, now what date was that? Well, 
that's the thing. I can't put my finger on it mm. because some people say 59, but the Branch Davidian started in 55, and this is where the confusion happens. Now, since the events didn't occur, the following this disappointment, Benjamin Roden, the, he's the, the, the founder, okay, he formed another group called the Branch Davidians and succeeded in taking control of Mount Carmel. Oh, you know what? Um, now, according to the church bylaws, mm. requiring the spiritual leader, they needed to be a prophet or a prophetess. That would be chosen of God. That's correct. Now, since Florence decided to take a leap of faith, if you want to call it that, and going outside of the norm of her husband's writings, since the fulfillment didn't happen, is she technically a prophetess? No. Absolutely not. If it, yeah. They so, have to, everything that they say has to come true. Absolutely. So Benjamin Roden took a, took, took a stab at the leadership and ended up obtaining it. Now, the name is also an um the, the name is also an allusion to the anointed Allah branch, which is mentioned in Zechariah three eight and six twelve, chapters nine and ten, if you are Bible scholars. Now, here comes more curveballs. When Benjamin Roden died in seventy eight, he succeeded by his wife Lois Roden. Now, when she did that, Lois Roden became what? Well, she became the prophetess. She became the prophetess, exactly. So the members of the Branch Davidians, now, you know, you have a riff here. You have uh, the the alliances are torn between Ben's wife, Lois, and his son, George. Okay, so George was supposed to be the heir apparent, not Lois? That's, from from what I can tell, maybe. Okay. That's a big, fat maybe. Now, but perhaps he was going to be, uh, after his mother passed, maybe then he would take over. Maybe that's probably something what, of that nature. Maybe that's probably what his thought process is. Mm -hmm. But guess what? He's not in charge. Lois is. Lois becomes in charge. Now she was considered a fancy lady, wasn't she? Yes, she liked fancy things of the world, and she also liked the power that she had. Okay, now, with Lois Roden being in charge, this open... Now, paint your picture, guys. Lois Roden is the door, and this is where Vernon Howell holds the key, and this, folks, is where we are actually going to leave it. This is very important, like I said, guys. We're not going to get into too much of what's going to happen because the next two episodes are going to be huge and it's going to be a lot. But like I said, we kind of gave you the Godfather part two of what's going to happen in the end, but we wanted to make sure we have plenty of background. We want to tell the proper story, kind of make those connections as best as we possibly could to make sure that we can sit there and go, wait, hold on. So the Branch Davidian is a branch of the Shepherd's Rod, which is the branch of the Seventh-day Adventist. Gotcha. So yeah, pretty much we established that fact. So it's been established. And if you're thinking, who is Vernon Howell? That is to be continued, guys. So on that note, good night, Holly. Good night, Carl. <laughs> <laughs>